is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman Riff. Is that really in the Bible? You know, there's a spiritual song that we some, sometimes sing at church. It says, Father alone will know all about it. Father alone will understand why. Cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. Now, I've got a problem with this song. My problem is this. I want answers now. I'm a fix-it man. I mean, I... I I like fixing things, and I look for things that break, and uh, I enjoy fixing things. And so I want answers now, not in the sweet by and by. Now, when we pray, do we expect answers? Why, like, for example, why am I sick? Why am I broke? Why am I going through this trial? What does God want me to do? Lord, should I do this? Should I go here? Should I go right? Should I turn here? Which path should I take? You know, and, and do we really expect answers when we pray? And I have a real fear of living out, you know, one's whole life without ever receiving an answer from God. And it's almost like a claustrophobic, a trapped, you know, inside this body without an answer. And which basically, without an answer means without hope is what it boils down to. And so, you know, this, this concept, well, one day, one day out there, you know, way out into the future, we'll understand, we'll understand it in the sweet by and by. We'll understand all these things that occurred to you. you know, no, I want answers right now. I want an answer right now. You know, in the movie Lion King, Simba, Simba, yeah, Simba was, uh, you know, he's been living his life however, and just according to his own whims and desire, and he hears the voice, I think it was his father, says, you know, Simba, it is time. It's, it's time for you to get it. It's time for you to get some answers. Now, my question is this. Is anything too big for God? Is getting an answer into our minds too hard for God? Here's the creator of the universe, you know, and, and who, who can create all things, and yet we can't get an answer. And so we resign our lives to, well, one day we'll understand it. One day in the sweet by and by, we'll, we'll understand it. Now, the number one reason we don't get answers is, is the risk. I think is the, the risk is just too great. It's sort of like that movie, you know, A Few Good Men, where the, the colonel, you know the, the, you know, the lawyer, you know, he said, I want the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And the colonel says, you can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. I think a lot of times God would say that to us. You know, I'd love to give you an answer to your problem, but you can't handle the truth. Now, there's another movie, uh, Rigoletto, where this uh, Rigoletto is like a uh, god of music, and this woman goes to his house to, because they think, the woman thinks he's stealing her, her property or whatever. And the, the servant, you know, opens the big solid wood door, and Rigoletto's sitting there in a seat beside the fireplace, and she walks through the big wood door, and you hear Rigoletto say, you may approach, you, must, you may approach. And I, wanna, I want you to imagine us walking up to the throne room of God, and God says, you may approach. And we go up to God, and we say, God, I want answers. I want the truth. 
And God falls out of his seat laughing on the floor, you know. You know, what I'm talking about is this. Facing God with humility. You know, it takes humility to get answers. Yeah, God, I want answers. I want the truth, but there's about a 95% chance I won't be able to handle the truth. Now, that's humility, and that's how you're supposed to approach God. Well, let's take a look at it in Luke 12 and verse 47. Let's take a look at a very common problem here. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. So what's my point? Well, my point is this. If you go to God and you want answers, I want the truth, I want to know why, and you don't act upon the knowledge that God gives you, you're going to be beaten severely, is my point. And I think we, we in our minds, uh, we, we play this game, you know, I don't want to be beaten with many stripes, so I would rather not know his will, you see. I'd rather pay, play dumb. I'd rather not know. Yet we have the audacity to say, I want to know why. I want the truth. Yeah. Why am I sick? Why am I broke? Why am I going through this trial? Uh, why doesn't God show me what to do? Which path to take? Which road to take? Do you really think you want to know the answer? Well, again, Luke 12 and verse 47, and the servant, and that servant, who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. You see, answers to questions involve solutions when you're dealing with God. And solutions involve personal responsibility. And personal responsibility involves actions on your part, you see. Luke 12 and verse 48. Continue on here. But what about the servant who does not, does not know what his master wants? And this is the sort of the category we like to confide in. You know, we like to stay in this comfort zone of not knowing. But what about the servant who does not know what his master wants? He also does things that deserves punishment, but he will get less punishment than the servant who knew what he should do. Whoever has been given much will, re, will be responsible for much. Much more will be expected from the one who has been given more. So you see the dilemma here. It's easier to live in our comfort zone and pretend that we don't really know or don't want to know what God wants or expects of us or what the answer really is. Oh, we say we want to know. God, I demand an answer. Yeah. I want to know why, but I'm not sure we're ready for the answer from God. You see, when you go to God looking for answers, you're asking for a lot from God. Why would I say that? Because he has the absolute answer. He doesn't have part the answer. He doesn't have, well, maybe this will work. I don't, I, I don't know if it's going to work. No, 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 no. Or try this, and I think this will work. No, no, no. He has the absolute answer to your problem. Don't ever pray for answers unless you are willing to act. Most people would rather just play dumb, okay? Do you know how many dumb people claim to have a relationship with God? Just watch religion on TV. You know, 
It's like, you mean I'm supposed to believe that if I just send in my seed donation to this guy, all my financial problems are going to disappear? That's what I mean by dumb, you know. I mean, really. I mean, which is easier to believe? That if I just send in my seed donation, all my financial problems will disappear? Or is it easier to believe that my financial problems are not going to be solved until I, one, get a job, two, work six days a week, three, keep the Sabbath day, four, pay my tithes, and, 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 and five, manage my money properly? Which is easier to believe, you know? I mean, I've just gone through a list there of, of ugly things that people don't want to do. I mean, okay, I get a job, work six days a week, keep the Sabbath, pay my tithes, you know, manage my money properly. I mean, I don't want to do that. I would rather just send in my seed donation to this minister and all, and somehow, I don't know how this is going to work, but somehow because I send him my money, which I don't have, everything's going to work out financially. You know, that's, that's just, that's, it's, a, it's insanity is what it is. Now, which is easier to believe? That I can lower my blood pressure by taking, you know, this blood pressure medicine, lisinopril, or whatever, you know, whatever you want to take. Or that I can lower my blood pressure by losing weight, changing my diet, taking garlic and vitamins and minerals, and exercising. Which one's easier to believe? Which one's easier to believe? You know as well as I do. It's easier to believe that I just take this pill. And as soon as you stop taking the pill, your blood pressure goes right back. You haven't solved any problem with a blood pressure medicine. I mean, I was taking one recently and nearly killed me. I mean, I, I've never seen anything like it. The side effects of that stuff was bad. Believe me, my heart was racing all the time and found out it was the blood pressure medicine I was taking. But you know, it's easy to believe the easy way out. If I just do this, everything's going to work out right. But, but we don't want the truth, do we? Well, you know, we must be getting something out of not knowing. This is my only conclusion. The perceived benefit of not knowing. Ignorance is bliss, you know? Look at Acts 17 and verse 30. It says, And the time of this ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. I mean, question, would I rather know God's will? Okay, God's will is that he commands all people to repent. Or would I rather live in ignorance? God, I want answers, you know? I, let me tell you, answers from God starts with repentance. It really does. It starts with repentance. If you, if you really want answers from God, it starts with your repentance. God commands everyone to repent. But you know, God knows only a few are going to do it. I mean, he really does. Did you know that God uses our inclinations not to know to his glory? You know, I'd rather just not know. I, I, I'd rather not know God's will. I'd rather not know what he's doing. I'd rather not know what he expects from me. I'd rather not really have the answer. Although I rail and pretend like I want answers from God, I would rather not know the benefit of not knowing. Yeah, God uses our inclinations not to know to his glory. It's a great tool that God uses. Let's take a look at it. Romans 11 and verse 32. For God has concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Now why? Why would God shut people up in a box of unbelief? 
just shut them up in unbelief. Deception. Because they don't want to know. More importantly, they don't want to act on what they know. You see. Verse 33, all the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. So yes, God shuts people up in unbelief that he might have mercy on them at a later time. Now when, when is God going to have mercy on these people? I mean, here's a bunch of people he shut up in unbelief. He got them in a box. They've been in a box for all their life. They die. They go to the grave. When's he going to have mercy on them? Well, when the rest of the dead are raised. We're talking about the second resurrection. All those who never had a chance for salvation because they didn't want to know. Jesus speaks about this issue. Matthew 13 and verse 13, Therefore I speak to them in parables because they seeing see not and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. What is Jesus saying? He's saying they don't want to know. And so I just shut them up in unbelief. The benefit of not knowing, God uses that to his own glory, don't you know? <laughs> now, why do we not want to know? Well, I think a lot of times we fear the answer. We have a built-in safeguard system that protects our vanity, ego, and pride. We really do. I mean, we have to protect that. And a lot of times, you know, we, we fear the answer. We don't really want to know what the answer is. You know, it's like the woman that comes to, to the husband and says, does this dress make me look fat? What's the husband going to say? Well, you know, it's, it's not the dress that makes you look fat. It's the fat that makes you look fat. That's the truth. But do we want to hear it? Does the wife want to hear that? Tell me. Does the wife want to hear that? No, it's your fat that makes you look, look fat. No, 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 we want to be lied to. We don't really want to know the truth, do we? I want the truth and nothing but the truth. God is laughing. He's laughing. Yeah, sure you do. Sure you do. All right, okay. Is it possible, though, to really know God? I mean, to really. Is it possible to get absolute answers from God? Well, Let's take a look at it. Ephesians 1 and verse 18 says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. So, so to me, it sounds like, yeah, evidently it is possible to really know and to really get answers. Ephesians 1 and verse 9, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he has purposed in himself. Now I'm telling you though, this is not your average run-of-the-mill person who this works with. You know, It's not the person that loves ignorance. It's not the person that settles for not knowing. This is not the person, that these, are, these are people who say, God, what you want me to do, I will do it. I will act upon it once you reveal what you want. I will take actions. You see, this is a different category of people. Again, this is not your run-of-the-mill Christian here. All right. Again, questions, when we ask questions to God, it, it involves solution. God has the solution. And solutions involve personal responsibility. And personal responsibility involves actions on our part. Now, I want to look at an example of absolutely knowing. Okay. It's an example of Paul here. 
2 Corinthians 12 and verse 7. He says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord three times, that it might depart from me. Okay, this thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, God, Paul says, I asked God three times to, to depart, this thing might depart from me. And he said, God answers what, his answer was, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, my point is this. Yeah, Paul had to struggle with this three times. He had to go back. He kept going back three times. You know, three strikes, you're out. But this was not a lifelong endeavor. This was not going back and forth, and I'm still seeking the Lord, and I've been, this has been going on. I've been looking for answers for 10 years now. I haven't got an answer yet. yet. No, no. This was a rather simplistic thing. Paul got his answer from the Lord. Again, I'm asking, you see, the problem is a lot of times we don't like the answer, or we fear the answer. Well, suppose God's not going to take this away from me, or whatever. You know, we fear the answer, and so we'd rather play dumb. But my point is, Paul got his answer. Three times, he went back to God, consulting God with this, you know, Lord, take this thorn in the flesh away, but he got his answer. This was not some lifelong experience of seeking the Lord for 40 years, and then finally he gets an answer. No. And then you got Jesus' example. He went away and prayed three times, Lord, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. Now, if we place ourselves in, in Jesus' shoes, can we see why we might not want to know the answer? Lord, take this cup from me. The answer came back after three times. No, I'm not taking this from you. You know, but again, my point is this. It, this is not a scenario that continued on for 10 years of seeking and wondering, or what, what is the answer to this problem? No, it was achieved very quickly, the answer. The, the big deal is this, do we really want to know? Do we really want the answer that God has ready to give us at any moment? Do we really want to know? So I want to leave you some points here. Number one, determine now that you are going to get an absolute answer from God. How do you do this? Well, it's very simple. Be ready to act on the answer God gives you. Be ready to accept the answer God gives you, which may be the toughest part of it, accepting the answer that God gives you. Because the answer may be no. The answer may be you got to deal with this. The answer may be you got to live with this. Okay, that, we don't like those answers. Okay, but be ready to act on the answer and be ready to accept and live with the answer. Determine now what, that you are going to get an absolute answer from God. Luke 11 and verse 9 says this, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened. For everyone that asks receives. And he that seeks is going to find. And to him that knocks it's going to be open. My point is, expect an answer. Number two, be ready to live with the decision that you have to make. Be ready to live with the decision that you're going to make. Accept full responsibility for the decision that you're going to make. 
And this is one of the hardest things for us to do, living with our decisions that we have made. Why do you think that's so hard for us to do? Well, I'll tell you why. Because we've made a lot of mistakes in the past. We really have. And one of the hardest things is, you know, you're saying, okay, I'm going to do this. You know, but how do I live with the decision that I made? And we're familiar with the past. We're familiar with making mistakes in the past. And so this is very, very tough for us to do. Number three, realize when you make your decision that God places confidence in the decision that you have made. God places confidence in the decision that you have made. You know, when my daughter, our daughter was married, our dance together was the song by Tim McGraw, My Little Girl. And the song, I want to just read you some of the words to the song. It says, someday some boy will come and ask me for your hand. But I won't say yes to him unless I know he's half the half that makes you whole. That he has a poet's soul and a heart of a heart of man. I know he'll say that he's in love, but between you and me, he won't be good enough. Now, there's a part of that song I don't agree with, and that is that he won't be good enough. I know it's hard for a father to give the daughter away, but, you know, I look at it as like this. My son-in-law is good enough. Why? Because it was the decision our daughter made. As a father, I placed confidence in her decision, you see. And I believe God does the same thing with his children. That God comes along and says, you know, I'm gonna, you've made that decision and I am placing confidence in that decision that you have made. Now let's not kid ourselves. Our decisions are not always perfect. No, they're not. But you know, the bottom line is this, God can make all things work together for good, even our, in, our imperfect decisions. So trust God, make your decision. Know that you can receive answers from God. In fact, I think it's always God's will that, that the answer is there. I mean, does God have the answer? Does God have the absolute answer? It's not a half truth, it's not maybe, it's maybe, well I think this, will, it's none of that. I think this will work. No, God has the answer to your problem. It's just the question is, are we big enough to handle the answer? Are we big enough to accept the answer that God has from God? But as I said, God, he's big enough that even our imperfect decisions, he can make them work out to his glory, to your glory, and everything can be good. I'm David Freeman. And that's what's really in your Bible. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program. Is it possible to change the man or the woman in the mirror? And if so, how? 
are we simply victims of our past behaviors with no way out of our sins and addictions? Jesus told a woman to go and sin no more. This is real change, no longer a slave to sin. But how is this possible? You were created incomplete, lacking the necessary drive and desire that would cause you to do the right thing. The bottom line is this, you need a second spirit. Man's real problems are spiritual in nature, and the natural man simply cannot solve spiritual problems. How can we know what is right, and how can we have the desire and power to choose what is right? Real change is possible, and the ability to please God is possible, but it is only possible by receiving God's spiritual DNA. Order your free booklet entitled, How You Can Change and Please God. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at is that really in the Bible.net? This program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at is that really in the Bible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151.